morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's way I'm going to ready this is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We got a lot to talk about, little time to do it, so let's just dive right into it. First things first. It's kind of tradition here on Eagle Eyes on Tech. If there is a story involving security, we start off with that. Because these sort of stories are very, very important. There's no question about that. People need to know if their information is at risk. Because you need to jump on that right away. And this is a big one. The Marriott Hotel chain has been hacked as far back as 2014 and 500 million user data entries were stolen, including names, credit card information, passport numbers, and a lot of more information. It's basically anything you'd ever need minus social security numbers. Although with a passport number, I mean... Why did they have a passport number? That makes no sense. But, again, I'm not in the hotel business at all. So maybe it's necessary, but to me it seems absurd. That that information we even had in the first place. So if you've been in a Marriott hotel at all, um, you might want to look into that. Marriott does, in fact, have a website set up for those who suspect that they may be hacked. Let me see if I can get the name of that. The company has set up a website to give. That's not giving me what the website information is. Why does this article from the BBC not give the actual name of the website? What the heck? BBC, get your act together. Oh, here we go. Answers.crollkroll.com is the website you should go to. They'll have all the information you need if you suspect you are hacked. Now, this article in the BBC does start to ask, does the Marriott potentially face fines thanks to the GDPR. I don't think so, honestly. Just because this hack happened before the GDPR came into effect. Now, admittedly, I did not read all 96 pages of the GDPR. I only read 20. Specifically the ones that said who the GDPR affects. 
but I'm pretty sure there's no language in there saying that this retroactively affects any databases, database breaches. So I'm pretty sure the Marriott won't face a massive fine from the GDPR as well. Which, by the way, can we just all agree for a second that the GDPR has done nothing to actually protect anyone and instead exists just to pay the EU a fine anytime something happens? Because that seems to be all it does is give headaches and cause people to pay fines after their systems have been hacked. Like, this feels like... If anything, the GDPR should... At least say you only pay a fine if it was... Your negligence that led to... The breach. And so far here, at least in these early stages, it does not appear... That the Marriott's breach was because of negligence. So, who knows at this point. Alright, let's move on to our next story. There are rumors surfacing about new Comet Lake CPUs, which, by the way, this would be what... The fourth iteration of the, um, what was the first one? KB Lake? KB Lake, Coffee Lake, Cannon Lake, Comic Lake. Yeah, I think so. I think that's all the lakes. Yeah, it's gotta be. New Intel CPUs could be on the horizon and come as soon as end of Q1 or beginning of Q2. Wait, no. No, I'm reading this wrong. It does not say when... uh, Oh, you could be seeing this. But the key thing here is that these Comet Lake CPUs, although not a new architecture, could bring 10 core CPUs to the mainstream lineup. Now, once again, I want to be clear. This is not Intel coming up with a 10 core CPU for the first time. Remember both on the Intel and AMD sides, there are three different tiers of CPUs. You have the mainstream, which is what most people who build a gaming PC use. These are the ones that are normally on the socket, um, what is it, 1151, I believe is what it is. These are the ones you normally see. Whenever you're talking about like a Core i5 or a Core i7 in your gaming PC, this is the CPU they're normally talking about. Then you've got the high-end tier. This is where you find Core i7s and Core i9s. Those are on the 2000 plus socket number. These are much bigger CPUs. 
These are the ones that go head-to-head with AMD's Threadripper CPUs. These are the CPUs that are insane and also much more expensive. We've seen Titan Core CPUs from this level of CPU before. We, we end up calling these the enthusiast tier. And then we have the top tier, which is mainly used for servers. These are ones where Intel's got a 28-core CPU, and AMD has a 36-core CPU, and these are also CPUs that are built to have up to two processors in a computer. Those are the sort of CPUs that are used for cloud computing, for servers, for supercomputing. Those are for the insane computers, and those are the kind of computers that if you try to play games on them, you're insane. So, these new 10-core CPUs are at the bottom tier. These are the ones that are going to be the most affordable and the ones that the average person is going to look at for building. And to be perfectly honest, if you're in the streaming gig... This is super attractive. One of the biggest reasons why AMD Ryzen in particular has been very attractive for Twitch streamers, YouTube streamers, Mixer streamers is because you've got plenty of cores. Your game takes up two to four cores and then you can have your streaming software take up the remainder. This is why hexacore and octacore CPUs on the Ryzen side are so popular. Intel releasing a 10-core CPU for the masses? Ooh. Let's even pretend that your game can take six cores. That still leaves you four CPU cores to run OBS, run your BitCup, run your alerts, run your encoding run your whatever and the best part is by using cpu encoding by using those four extra cpu cores you don't have to use gpu encoding which is not as pretty but most importantly frees up the entire gpu the 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 essential component of your gaming pc that is needed to play games. So for the average PC builder, this isn't a big deal. If you are a content creator, if you stream, if you edit video, if you do any sort of serious work on the side, this can be a big deal. Now, at this time, I do not believe AMD has a Ryzen CPU that competes with a 10-core. Let me just quickly head on over to Newegg and double-check that. All right, one quick trip over to Newegg shows that the highest-end Ryzen 7 CPU is, in fact, an 8-core chip. Specifically... It is 8-core, 3.6 gigahertz, 4 gigahertz turbo, which would be a 16-thread 
part. And that one's for 338. The Intel one would be 10 cores, which would be 20 threads. So yeah, that would actually top AMD's Ryzen. That's actually a pretty big deal, not going to lie. Very, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Hmm. That actually does really make it kind of awkward if you're building a PC right now. I mean, if you need it right now, I would definitely say go Ryzen. But, you know, 10 CPU cores. Ooh. It's compelling. I will say this much. For certain, you cannot go wrong right now. Intel's still looking pretty solid, although it's had a had a couple of black eyes from bad marketing attempts. And AMD is so solid, it's just... Man, you win. There is, like, no wrong choice you can make unless you do something incredibly stupid, like get a dual-core Core i3 to game and stream on. Like, the battle between AMD and Intel, no matter who you pick, you win. Alright, that's enough good news. Let's go to angry news. Bethesda. Oh, Bethesda, 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 Bethesda. So Fallout 76 has come out, and people who bought the $200 Power Armor edition of Fallout 76 are uh, not happy. So, let's just start from the beginning here when it comes to telling the story of Fallout. So, first things first. Fallout 76 was just kind of announced out of the blue at E3 this year. No one was really expecting it, except for the part where they teased it a week before E3. And then, on top of that, they just kind of dumped it out there. And they did say it was going to go through a beta. Well, it turned out during the beta, they didn't really fix a whole lot. In fact, they really didn't fix anything. A bunch of issues were found, and the game was discovered to be a buggy mess... And instead of doing a, the normal thing, which is what you do in a beta, and try to fix the bugs, they ignored it. They ignored the bugs. The other thing that really ticks me off, and it still does very much to this day, is the fact that they promised at E3 that this experience was going to be a personal world multiplayer experience very similar to what you'd see on like say a minecraft multiplayer we did not get that we got what looks to be kind of an mmo hybrid 
okay, that really sucks. And actually, that right there pretty much killed any chance I was ever going to play Fallout 76. I personally wanted to play with my viewers and have all of us work on building the world and nuking each other and just having a grand old time. But no, that's not there. In addition, cheating in the game is extremely easy. Because they continue to use this engine that is not good. But that's in the past. We now move to today, where the game is out. People have now are now being able to play the game and discovering how bad it is. And to make matters worse, people have bought the $200 collector's edition, which includes a cardboard box, a playing mat, figurines, a plastic helmet, and a canvas bag. A very survivalist canvas bag. Only to find out that everything was as advertised. Except the bag. The bag was made of nylon and plastic. And this isn't a, they implied that the bag was canvas. No, they advertised a canvas bag. And you got plastic. Not even good plastic. It's not even good nylon. Nylon does not crinkle as much has this bag. Bethesda's excuse to this was, we're sorry, but producing a canvas bag is cost prohibited. B.S. A canvas bag is not that expensive to manufacture. It's not. You can get a tw- you can get a canvas bag on Amazon right now for as low as $20. The cost to manufacture it is is at least half that. Talking to a textile manufacturer, they said they could produce a very simple no-pocketed canvas bag For $3 a piece, you're going to try and tell everyone that, no, making canvas is is cost prohibitive. Have you forgotten, Bethesda? This is 2018. It does not take that much effort to do a freaking Google search to find out that you're full of nonsense. How low have you sunk Bethesda? How this is awful. This is EA levels of lying. But you know what? At least EA when they screw up, 
at least recently, they go back and actually try to make amends. They actually go back and try to fix what they've broken, which is a wonderful change of pace compared to old school EA. I'll at least give EA credit there. What's Bethesda's answer for this? 500 atoms. 500 of the in-game currency. Which gets you nothing. 500 atoms can't even get you a canvas bag in the game. The meme that's been going around right now is that all 500 atoms will get you is a door and and flowers. That's literally it. It's not even like there's actual value to to the atoms. There isn't. To Bethesda, atoms are literally worthless. It costs no money to give atoms. And you give nothing. This is the equivalent of giving a nickel to someone starving in the streets. You might as well have just given them nothing at all. It's an insult. Unsurprisingly, there is a lawsuit in development now about false advertisement, which I'm normally one to try and look at it, look at through everyone's sides here. I 100% agree. Bethesda's going to get sued, and they deserve it. This is just, this is unexcusable. You can't do this. You can't just screw up this royally. You can't just lie. Underline, lie to your customers. And don't even give give me the, oh, it's just, it's no expensive to make a canvas bag. One pouch of canvas, really? That's too expensive. But let's pretend for a minute. Let's pretend I live in a world where it is too expensive to make a canvas bag. Why did you advertise it then? Surely your bean counters made sure that you could offer all this for $200, right? If this really is an issue of we messed up on making sure that we could afford to make this package, then you better produce the stupid bean counter who went and forgot to carry the one for this and fire them. You won't, though. 
Because again, we don't live in a world where a canvas bag is expensive to manufacture. This whole thing just insults me on so many levels. I need to move on to anything else. Let's instead poke fun at Apple. More and more reports come in that the iPhone XS and XR are uh, selling even worse than they expected when they downed expectations even more. Oh, yes. It's now even worse than it was earlier. And it was pretty bad earlier. What more can you say? I mean, realistically... This is what happens when you go all in on a design that is questionable at best. This is what you get when you release a phone that's not better than last year's by any notable margin. This is what happens when you release a phone that costs more than the average rent. The part that annoys me, though, the most about this is the fact that Apple got away with selling a $1,000 phone last year. And because of that, all the best phones this year are close to $1,000. That's what really, really annoys me. Although you might want an analogy about how bad the iPhone sales are. If you trade in an older phone towards a new iPhone in Apple stores, guess what? They'll let you get more value for it. (laughs) That's how desperate they are. They're actually willing to offer more for your older phone. This is great. It's beautiful. Oh man. To make matters even worse, well not really worse, but this is also just more poking an apple's eye here. An exploit has been discovered by dry savers that can unlock iPhones with a 100% success rate. Keep in mind that this is the same phone that multiple times in the news, law enforcement and the FBI could not break into iPhones. And Apple continued to, at every time, 
They possibly could say, no, we can't do it. But now Drive Savers has. Now, currently, Drive Savers says they will not use this service for the government, which means law enforcement cannot accept this service, but anyone else for $4,000 can have their iPhone cracked in this method so they can get their data back. You better want that information pretty badly to be shelling out four grand for it. Uh, Google Fi is now officially a thing. Previously known as Project Fi, Google Fi is now available. Anyone can sign up, sign on to it. For a simple, smaller price, it uses all cellular networks and just hops between them all, in addition to Wi-Fi networks, for a much, much lower price. I still kind of wonder... Is this really worth it? I kind of wonder, you know? I mean... Doesn't it still feel kind of sketch? Oh yeah, use all networks. For 20 bucks, you can just use all the networks. Oh, the thing that does make me wonder if it's going to be... Uh, viable is it's $20 for unlimited talk and text. And then it's $10 for each gig that you use. Though apparently data is free after 6 gigs. So that means at most your bill would be $80 a month. Assuming that you don't have a have your own phone to pay off with. And there's no other fees or anything. That's actually not that bad. It's actually pretty good. Especially if you don't use your phone data for all that much. Hmm. The question I still have, though, is if stability will be good. That's going to be the real question. I am going to try and get in touch with um, a couple of people I know that were interested in it. I want to know if it's as good as they hoped it would be. Maybe that's how I saved some money. There's a lot of rumors floating around about Microsoft making new computers. In addition, that there could be a new customizable PC to arrive with a Surface monitor. Now here's the thing that's going to be really interesting. If you remember the Surface Pro desktop, or what was it called, the Surface Studio I think? That was an all-in-one that had a pretty unique design. But basically the entire computer fit into its tiny little base. There wasn't really all that much horsepower in there, but the screen was the real star. Adjustable with full 
100% accurate uh, stylus support. In addition to being usable with that um, that surface dial thing, it was, it was it was a very fascinating piece of work, especially for artists or anyone who do who does actual real creative work. So to hear that just the monitor might be available, hey. Hook that up with a big old quadro card, some Xeons, and hey, you can go and make some very, very interesting 3D models. Your rendering power could be astronomically better. Could have something very, very interesting on our hands. Hmm... The price of the monitor, though, is going to be the big question. Because if you remember, the Surface Studio was very expensive, starting at about $3,000. And the PC in there was not very good. But we'll see. We will see. There's also more supporting rumors that there is going to be a foldable Andromeda phone released by Microsoft in 2019. More than likely, it's going to be supporting Android as opposed to any flavor of Windows, but who knows? But there you go, more rumors of a foldable phone, the next Surface laptop, maybe AMD-based, which, that could be very interesting. You talk about a brand that's trying to be focused on creators, because that's what the Surface is. It's trying to target the user base that is currently reliant on Apple for content creation devices. And right now, Apple is very, very, very weak in that department. AMD chips right now are better for content creation. So you do that, and hey, might be onto something. A little bit of eight-core Ryzen goodness going on inside there with a Vega GPU. All of a sudden, that laptop that's glued together and you can't do much with seems very attractive. However, all right, well, all right, that's the one last thing in this book as well. More rumors about an Xbox One that does not have an optical drive were restated. Dual screen services might be coming. But again, these are all rumors from a novel. It's not like we have leaked intel or anything of that nature so the source is kind of weird kind of questionable but you know some of it i'm looking forward to we'll find out though in the beginning of 2019 if any of that is true the inquirer is also reporting that 
The Galaxy S10 Plus is failing to match the iPhone XS in leaked benchmarks. Honestly, who cares? I know we all love to go like, oh, my number is bigger than your number, and therefore my number is better. The thing is that the operating systems behave very differently. I just, I don't know. I never look at the benchmarks and go, oh man, this is so much more important than the other one. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's a phone. No one is trying to run Crisis on their phone yet. No one is trying to do AutoCAD on their phone yet. No one is trying to do high-performance work on their phone, period. Oh no, running a theoretical benchmark caused the iPhone to perform a little faster in this high-end task compared to the Galaxy S10. So what? What matters is the operating system. And I hate to break it to you, as someone who uses an iPhone right now, I can confirm the iPhone operating system is much more restrictive. The iPhone operating system right now has a lot more bugs. I once again have to turn your attention to the fact that you take a picture with the phone and there might be a chance that the Frickin' software in the camera decides, you know what? That person needs a third row of teeth. Who cares if it's four second? Who? Oh, no, no, that's actually a big deal. Who cares if it's one second faster than the competition to open up a web page? If it means the frickin' camera is gonna do something stupid. This is why I hate benchmarks on phones anyway. Phones are not performance devices. They are work tools to get basic tasks done on the go. No power user, myself included, does real work on a phone. I can even point to the example frickin' yesterday at work. My boss needed me to set up a brand new email account for a project we're work, working on. Did I do it on my phone? No. I whipped out my laptop to go do it. Unjust man in the chat points out that iPhones are status symbols. Uh, pretty much any smartphone's a status symbol. Even the Samsung phones are starting to become it. But let's move on. But how about this for a weird story? We were talking before about how phones are evolving. How about this from LG? 
17 cameras on a phone. You thought two rear-facing cameras was weird. How about 16? Now, you might be wondering, why? Why do you want 16 cameras on a phone? I don't know. <laughs> I just want to see this phone. The the entire back of the fo- of the phone is just going to be cameras. In the future, your entire the entire front of your phone is going to be nothing but screen, and the back's going to be nothing but cameras. But it's okay. When we're in that future, Apple will have invented it. Even though we all know LG started it. Oh man, we, we I, this might be a little too much, don't you think? Alright, we're starting to run out of time, so let's start cranking through these stories. NVIDIA is reporting lower than expected quarter three earnings as the mining market weakens Ooh. <laughs> this is again one of those things where I'm kind of glad I stayed out of cryptocurrency mining and I'm not going to lie I did think about it a little bit about man what if I did go through and get a couple GTX 1060s and throw them into a rig. Just grab a couple GPU servers, throw them in, and intentionally grab the the lowest wattage CPU I could for them, and just really start cranking out some some cryptocurrency. It turned out I would have been in the hole by a lot. It actually really didn't take long for the cryptocurrency mining craze to die out again. In fact, right now, I'm actually pretty sure I have another story about it. Here we go. It's actually right here. About how Bitcoin has lost 40% of its value in the last couple of weeks. From its peak, Bitcoin has lost almost 90% of its value since last year. That's how quickly this tanked. And of course, now NVIDIA is just looking at like, well... Guess that's a bust. What do we do now? Now, some of you might be wondering, does that mean now is a great time to get in and buy some Bitcoin or some Ethereum? Does that mean that now is the time to buy now that it's low? 
say no. I think this fad is finally dying off. And the fact that Bitcoin is still worth two grand is still very surprising to me. I'm not an investor by any stretch of the imagination, but just get out. Maybe keep keep a coin if you got them. I've got to find the computer. I've got it around here somewhere from when I was Bitcoin mining back in the long, 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 long time ago where I've got one one thousandth of a Bitcoin, which in today's standards is now worth $2. Yeah! Actually, it would be a fun exper- experiment. Let me go rig up my mining rig again with those Bitcoin ASICs that I bought in the cheap and see just how long it would take to mine a block. Probably nigh impossible. In other shocking news, we talked about this a little bit, or did we? I actually don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast at all. But uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate was leaked. Whoops. The entire ROM is now floating around on the pirated community. On the piracy community, I should say. And, uh, well... I mean, honestly, I'm not... A lot of people see this as a big deal. I just don't. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you are looking at this and going, Oh man, my life is ruined because now there's going to be so many Super Smash Brothers spoilers. Oh no! What could they possibly spoil? What? The plot? The quickly shoehorned together plot? Of which you're rescuing souls from figures or something along those lines? You already know how that plot's gonna go. You collect them all and save everyone. The end. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. It's not like the newest Final Fantasy being leaked. And finding out that the court jester was the villain all along. Or the new Danganronpa leaking out and you find out who the mastermind was. It's honestly a bit of who cares? Unjust Minute asked, though, what about the metadata showing Waluigi's a DLC hat on? Um. I don't know if I could even trust, even if that was a legitimate rumor. 
just because Waluigi being in Smash is such a meme, I don't think I could trust it. Even if it was from one of my very trusted sources, I don't think I would touch it. I just can't trust that kind of information anymore. The odds of being reliable are, like, zero. Anyway, in other news, the Supreme Court is going to be looking into a potential lawsuit against the Apple iPhone and its sales. Oops. Yeah, that ain't good. I mean, are you really surprised? This feels like something that should have been seen coming a mile away. It's always seemed kind of weird that only one app store is allowed. It seems kind of, you know, anti-competitive, but, you know... We'll see how it goes. We'll see, we'll see. Maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad. Who knows? But we'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll be seeing... We'll be giving more info as it comes. YouTube is testing ad pods in which it plays two ads back-to-back at the beginning of a video rather than one at the beginning and one in the middle. I'd love to give you more information about how this works on the creator side of things, because normally, as a creator, you used to be able to say where you want ads in your video. In fact, say, if I was putting this podcast on YouTube, if I put, like, a mid-roll break, I could tell it to put an ad there. Unfortunately, because YouTube now requires all YouTube accounts to at least have a 1,000 subscribers and 10,000 watched minutes in order to do anything ad-related, I can't do anything. I can't even look at the tools. So, we're kind of SOL there. Which feels pretty bad. Dang. Amazon launches a custom-made ARM CPU. I talked about this on an early bird briefing. But talk about a who asked for this? Seriously. Who wants an Amazon CPU? Now, admittedly, this Amazon Graviton CPU, that's what it's called, is going to be ARM-based, be north of 2 gigahertz and up to 16 cores, and only for server-grade applications. Servers, cloud computing, theoretically for workstations, theoretically for supercomputers, but for that kind of purpose. But Why? Why would you do that? 
That's just bizarre. I mean, what's the point? Kind of like, what was the point of Nintendo's creator program? Well, I'll tell you what the point was. The Nintendo's creator program was made to basically flip off anyone that Nintendo deemed unworthy of streaming or doing Let's Plays of Nintendo content. Nintendo has since then grown up and has finally killed the program. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. This was honestly the stupidest thing in the world. And again, I talked about this during the early bird briefing, so I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot here. But here's basically the super short version. It's no coincidence that this program dies now. Nintendo finally realized that this program was a mess. Underline a mess. No one liked this program. And it was doing nothing but generating bad PR for Nintendo. But Nintendo didn't care because they're Nintendo. They're basically the gaming equivalent of Apple. But with their most hyped game, that being Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, releasing very soon, well, they kind of finally, sort of, really kind of finally decided that, uh, you know, maybe sending takedown requests against every single content creator that dares to stream our new super hyped up game is a bad idea. No kidding! So yes, you can now monetize it in normal methods. However, it is still up in the air whether you can run your own ads during videos that contain Nintendo content but you can just run, say, Twitch ads, YouTube ads, or whatever. However, in their guidelines, they also did not mention anything about ads through Mixer. Or any monetization through Mixer. So, hey, Mixer streamers. Nintendo doesn't acknowledge you exist. Just, just let that sink in. However you so choose. I'm actually going to reorder these stories a little bit. All right, first things first. We are starting to enter the age of everyone deciding that the notch is a bad idea. And I agree. The notch is a bad idea. We shouldn't have notches. Instead, we should do what Lenovo is doing on the Lenovo Z5. And that's having a hole in the middle of the top section of the screen where there would be a notch and just have the camera be there. So there's just a dead pixel cluster where the camera is. Instead of a notch. What's the point? No, seriously. What's the, what's the point? What is the blasted point? 
of just putting a hole in the screen where there would be a notch, but I haven't taken up the same amount of space as a notch. You haven't made the world better. I just... Uh... Lenovo, just put put it in the corner. Just just put it in the corner. Just, just, just go. Just go. You could also just do what the Vivo Next 2 is doing, and that's having two screens, one being edge-to-edge on the front, and a second one on the back, and just say, hey, you want to use a selfie cam? Turn the phone around and do it that way. This is brilliant. And this isn't the first time we've seen this, but... Good freaking lord, more people need to do this! Why have a crappy front-facing camera and a good rear-facing camera when you can just have no camera on the front, a top-tier camera on the back, and just put a screen on the back and take your selfies that way? Just flip the phone around. This makes more sense to me. Now, Apple will never do this because they absolutely love their Face ID system, which requires a front-facing camera. But for everyone else that figured out how to put a fingerprint reader underneath the screen, this is a win-win-win-win. And I, for one, look forward to this. I really, really do. All right. Let's move on to the last burb, the last story of the day. And this story is horrifying. I don't care who you are, this story is horrifying. Docomo and Toyota have successfully made an exoskeleton that you can wear while in a sort of seat device to be able to remotely control a robot. The theory is with this system and controlling the robot wirelessly, you could do various tasks that are normally too hazardous for a human and just go in and just go do it with this VR headset and the exoskeleton tracking your every movement they're all it will perfectly mimic them and then you can just go do whatever helpful and friendly task that there possibly could be and thanks to batch controlled using 5G you could be anywhere and as long as the robot it has 5G service to it and is able to have power, you are good to go. We must make sure this power never falls into the wrong hands. Can you imagine how horrifying this would be? If some psychopath got a hold of one 
and this robot just starts going rampaging around. He could commit all the crimes in the world and no one would ever be able to find him because he could be on the other side of the world. I'm just going to let that haunt your nightmares for a minute. Nah, who are we kidding? Everything will be fine. I mean... How bad could it get? No one would ever do that, right? That's going to do it for this week on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Make sure you check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast, on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google, wherever you may have found it. In addition, make sure to check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, where we do all sorts of fun stuff during the week. Take care, and have a good day. Now, I fully expect the next Danganronpa game, someone better use an exoskeleton robot to have committed the crime. So that way, there is a 0% chance I could rule out anyone. <laughs>